0: Welcome to the I-29 Moo U Dairy Podcast. I-29 Moo University is a consortium of land-grant universities in Minnesota, Iowa, South Dakota, and Nebraska. This podcast covers timely news, information, and research for today's dairy industry. So on today's podcast, we are talking about feeding strategies for dairy cattle. I'm Kim Clark, Nebraska Extension Dairy Educator. I am also joined today by Jim Sulfur, University of Minnesota Regional Dairy Educator.
1: Uh, thanks, Kim. It's always nice to join you on these. This is, we're getting started with this and, you know, we're kind of getting a, a normal summer here around the upper midwest so um, i would just like to thank everybody for joining us and hopefully you enjoy this topic today and i think it's really a good topic to talk about because i think the strategies are maybe a little different than we thought in the past
0: sometimes feeding strategies and the times of day we feed we don't think about some of the implications but that's where our guest on today's show comes in our guest today is isaac solfer isaac is with south dakota state university Isaac, why don't you give us a short overview of your position at South Dakota State University and some of the research you've done around feeding strategies?
2: Yeah, that sounds great. So um, yeah, my title at South Dakota State is really an assistant professor of dairy herd management, but really most of my focus is in the area of dairy nutrition. And a lot of the work that I've done is centered around time of feeding and the relationship between feeding time and circadian rhythms in dairy cows. Um, I actually just graduated about a year ago with my PhD from Penn State University. And that was the focus of my dissertation was looking at how the time of feeding or or the time of feeding specific nutrients affects milk production and the daily rhythms of milk production. So we're really interested. I think there's a lot of focus outside the, the dairy world on how circadian rhythms regulate behavior in humans and other species. And a lot of my work is now taking that and how can we apply it to dairy farms and kind of develop some novel strategies that can look at this circadian rhythm in dairy cows and better optimize feeding and management based on that.
0: I'm not sure I'm familiar with circadian rhythms. Tell me a little bit more about those.
2: Circadian rhythm, the the word circadian actually translates to about a day, but basically what they are is they are biological cycles or they are changes that an animal's body or a person's body goes through across the day that helps them predict changes in the environment so a really clear example that we all understand as people is our sleep-wake cycle so we get tired at a certain time in the evening we want to go to bed we sleep for eight hours and we wake back up another example would be a, a person's feeding schedule so humans we eat three times a day usually um and so your circadian rhythm is dictating what time you're starting to get hungry and starting to feel that drive to eat so what it really does is it helps these animals anticipate or predict changes in their environment and adapt to them before that change occurs. So just like humans have circadian rhythm of of feed intake that we want to eat at maybe 9, 8 a.m. and noon and 5 p.m., cows also have a similar circadian rhythm of feed intake that dictates when they want to eat, as well as uh, circadian rhythms of milk production and and other sorts of activity as well, So, and and biological
1: responses. So Isaac, how did these evolve into cattle? Because I think You know, I think of circadian rhythms kind of as innate in a way, I think about people that might be working these shift schedules, not that I follow that, but I think there's a lot of research showing how hard that is on your body with continually shifting. So how do you think these, or, or how did they actually get involved, or how did cattle evolve into these feeding rhythms? So can you talk a little bit about normal cows feeding behavior, their normal circadian rhythms? Can you give a couple of specific examples?
2: so uh circadian rhythms are across all animals are really well conserved, so they're a really intricate part of biology in all species. you think humans were pretty you might say domesticate i mean we've we've changed a lot since our ancestral roots. But we still have these innate uh, circadian rhythms as well. So cows kind of have conserved these circadian rhythms too. And there's a lot of interesting data from grazing cattle that shows sort of what a natural rhythm would look like, right? Because in a grazing setting, they're a lot more similar to what wild cows would have been or would be uh, if they were out in the wild. And, And so what we normally see is that cows have a pattern that's called crepuscular, which means they eat a lot in the morning they decrease intake a little bit through the late morning and early afternoon, and they have another spike of feed intake sort of in the mid-afternoon around three o'clock or four o'clock in the afternoon, and then they drop off. They do not like to eat overnight, so cows decrease their intake really greatly overnight from maybe 9 p.m. to 4 or 5 a.m. So it's hard for me to speculate since I don't, uh, you know, work with wild ruminants a whole lot, but my guess would be that this is probably an adaptation to avoid predators. So I mean, wild ruminants, they don't have very good eyesight. They're pretty susceptible to nocturnal animals like wolves, or if if they're wild water buffalo out in in Africa, they're susceptible to nocturnal lions or things like that. So my guess is that the main strategy is that animals will decrease feed intake because they don't want to be active and eating overnight because they're a lot more susceptible to being attacked by predators out in the
0: wild. I guess I never thought of feeding patterns of ruminant animals following the time of day and in the best time to protect themselves, but, but it does make sense. You had mentioned typically ruminant animals, dairy cattle, don't feed at night, but we do have dairy farmers that might feed one time a day. So how does that, if they feed one time a day, say it's in the morning, maybe it's at night, how does that really... Impact the ruminants in their rumination and lactation.
2: In in uh, freestall settings or in you know in uh, traditional modern dairy housing, feed, the number one stimulus for feed intake is actually delivering fresh feed. So we said cows have this natural pattern of feed intake, but they still have a drive to go up and go to the feed bunk and eat when fresh feed is delivered to the cow. And that is true no matter what time you feed them. So if you feed them at night, or if you feed them in the morning, that delivery of fresh feed will stimulate cows to go up to the feed bunk and eat, uh, it's very clear. So most dairy farms that I see are feeding in the morning. I think that's pretty traditional, you do morning chores, you feed sometimes in the morning, sometime in the morning, spends a little bit, some farmers are maybe have a really large herd. So it takes them the entire morning from, you know, maybe 4 a.m. to, to noon to deliver feed to their cows, uh, to, to their entire herd. Um, and the other thing I think we wanna talk a little bit about too, is that. I think there's also this idea that in the summer, a lot of farms switch to feeding their cows at night because they want to get cows to go up and eat when it's cool because they think they're going to eat more feed. They think that they're going to help stimulate activity when cows are, are when it's later at night, when it's cool. Uh, Some of the issues with that, though, are that, again, cows have this really strong biological drive, I guess you could say, not to eat at night. So if you feed cows in the evening... Uh, cows will go up to eat when you deliver feed. So they'll go up and they will uh, go to the feed bunk after you deliver fresh feed in the evening. But what ends up happening is they end up slug feeding. So they'll eat at a faster rate over a shorter period of time, which can lead to problems with rumen acidosis because you get too large of a drop in rumen pH after, uh, after they eat that, that large meal of feed after you deliver
1: it to them. Can you clarify, um, so the theory, I think a lot of farms do that. The thought is that these cows will eat more overnight then because they've got this fresh feed delivered at, you know, pick a time, seven or eight o'clock at night. But based on their normal circadian rhythms or the research that you guys have done, is that true? Will they consume more feed overnight? Uh, Because I think that's why a lot of farms tend to do that, as you mentioned.
2: So what we've seen, we actually did a study that that wasn't necessarily the goal. The cows weren't heat stressed, but we did a study where we did limit cows to feeding them just at night. So we we offered feed at seven o'clock in the evening and took away their feed at 11 o'clock in the morning. And what we saw is that cows will eat almost, I think it was about 40%, almost half of their entire feed intake during those first couple hours after you feed them. So uh, that's what we talk about with slug feeding is that cows really have the strong desire not to eat at night. And they develop this really strong drive for hunger if they don't eat a lot during the afternoon, which they tend not to do if they don't have fresh feed. So if you del- feed them in the evening, they'll have, I guess, older feed, they'll eat less during the afternoon. And then when you deliver fresh feed, they'll have this really, really strong hunger drive or bring them to the feed bunk and they'll eat a lot of food at the same time. So again, we, we did that study. I mean, in our study, we, we actually didn't allow them to have any feed for the six hours prior to seven o'clock at night, but we, but we saw them eat a giant bout of feed, 40% of their total feed intake. And then again, they basically shut, shut down feed intake overnight and started to eat a little bit more in the morning.
1: So Isaac, follow up on that, what, what would be, so I'm hiring you as a consultant, what would be your recommendation to me for a feeding strategy in the summer? And let's assume that it's gonna take me six hours to feed my cows. Uh, so you're, you're advising me, um, and I'm asking you, when is the best time to feed? Because we've got warm days, warm evenings. What should I, when should I be feeding my cows?
2: Rather than feeding them later at night, what I would try to do is get ahead of the cows. So try to feed a little bit earlier um, because if you can feed them in the morning, you have some of that advantage of it being cooler out in the middle of the day, It it's not in the heat of the day. And so you do get cows eat when it's a little bit cooler, but you're matching the feeding time a little bit more closely to their biological rhythm. So if you can get feed delivered to cows at four in the morning, five in the morning, be all done feeding before nine o'clock a.m. So if it takes six hours, to start, what would that be? Three in the morning and get all your feeding done by 9 a.m. That would be a good strategy to kind of help that. The other thing I like to suggest, although uh, it can be a little bit techni- technically challenging and, you know, we might have is- issues with labor, is if you can split up feeding and feed multiple times per day. So if you can feed cows, once in the morning and then either go back and top dress more feed later in the afternoon or split up the feeding so you feed them a little bit later in the day that'll get that second stimulus of getting them to go up to the feed bunk and it will also help stabilize feed intake across the day a little bit more because you're getting you're spreading out those feedings more throughout the day. We've done a little bit of that work too, where we've seen that feeding multiple times per day does stabilize room and pH and and get cows to come up to the feed bunk more often and sort of stabilize feed intake across the day.
0: What time of day would you say would be the latest that you would feed? So let's say we have a, a dairy farm that feeds twice a day, once in the morning, once in the evening. What would be the latest in the evening that you would recommend to feed to avoid slug eating?
2: What I would recommend is to not feed cows any later than 5 p.m. Ideally, that last feeding, if you do feed two times a day, it should be around three or four because that's sort of the time that cattle are getting that second wave of feed intake. Um, And if you feed them at least before 5 p.m., that gives you two to three good hours where cows haven't seen that steep drop in feed intake that they have at night, which usually occurs around 8 or 9 p.m. So that's what I would say is probably the latest you should be delivering feed to cows is at 5 p.m.
1: Isaac, there's also some research, just changing gears here a little bit, looking at circadian rhythms, kind of these annual rhythms about components and wind components, and as I get on a lot of farms in my job, we always hear complaints about the summer and lower fat tests and lower protein tests. And there's been a lot of speculation that's, that's related to heat stress or new feed or feeding changes. And I think your group at Penn State did a little bit of research trying to look at kind of the normal circadian rhythm, kind of more of an annual rhythm of components and even milk production.
2: Uh, I guess switching gears or just terminology wise, we usually call those yearly rhythms circannual rhythms. So they're, they're this similar mechanism to the circadian rhythm in the sense that they are these biological rhythms that anticipate changes. They're just they're over 12 months rather than a day. So we call them annual rhythms or circannual rhythms. But yeah, this was a big uh, focus of my PhD research as well. And what we, what we looked at, we were really interested in this problem of why are there seasonal changes in milk production? Especially as farmers uh, invest heavily into heat abatement strategies, it seems like even though farmers are doing a lot to combat heat stress, we see this seasonal drop in uh, components in the, su- in, the, in the middle of the summer, as well as milk production late summer, early fall. Um, and what we noticed is that this pattern is extremely consistent across years. Um, and no matter if it's a really, really hot summer, kind of like we seem to be having this year, or if it's cooler summer, kind of more similar to what we had last year, this pattern is really consistent and it doesn't seem to change a whole lot based on what you'd expect the degree of heat stress to be. Um, the other thing that we found that was really interesting is that the pattern of milk production doesn't actually hit its minima in the summer. It isn't the lowest in the middle of the summer. It actually drops the lowest usually in about late September, early October. So that's another reason we think that this might not just be a consequence of the acute effects of heat stress, that there might be something else going on. So we did some some, some statistical analysis and fit the this yearly pattern of uh, milk production and milk components to a biological rhythm of 12 months. And we saw that the annual pattern of, of milk production and milk components seem to follow really clear annual biological rhythms. So they show a pattern really characteristic of what we would call a circannual or an annual rhythm, and that leads us to believe there might be some sort of biological driver causing this uh, change in this this yearly change in milk production and components.
1: So how could farmers use that information as you had mentioned? uh, Number one, I don't know if you mentioned it. What is kind of the swing in fat and component tests or even milk production? And from the lowest period of time to the highest, what month do those usually fall? And then how would you use that if you're a farmer kind of as you think about managing your herd? Or can't you really use it? Just accept that it's going to happen.
2: So for milk, for milk yield, the, the peak is usually in late April. It's right around the start of spring. So you think about it's kind of within the period of the start of spring. So it's either uh, kind of late April to late May within that region. And the, that's where the peak is. And then the minimum is usually in late September to late October around that region. And the difference between the top of the curve of milk production and the minimum of the curve of milk production is about five pounds. So it makes a pretty big difference, pretty noticeable change from the peak to 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 the, the drop. And that's in, so I should also mention that it varies by geography. So that's in in the northern part of the U.S. You actually see a bigger change closer to almost eight or 10 pounds if you go down to like Florida or Texas or somewhere in the the southern United States.
0: That's just the difference in milk production by geography, not necessarily the peak times a year and the lowest production times of year.
2: It doesn't affect the time of the rhythm, but it affects the distance between the peak to the minimum, if that makes sense. So there's a bigger yearly variation in milk yield in the southern United States than there is in the northern United States. Conversely, there's actually a bigger variation from the peak to the minimum for fat and protein concentration in the northern U.S. So in the northern U.S., we see a bigger difference between the peak of the rhythm and the minimum of the rhythm than we do in the southern U.S.
0: You had mentioned the peak time of year for production being in the beginning of spring, and then we see the decrease, the lowest production being in maybe early fall. Does calving during different times of year impact that?
2: On your entire herd level it would. So if you are calving, if you're doing spring calving, or I guess I would say if you have your cows dry during that period of the year where milk production is low so in that uh, that late fall period you would be more likely to miss that depression in milk yield uh, due to the seasonal pattern and you would be uh, bit more likely to hit that peak of milk production. Uh, I think the important thing to note is that the cows will still follow their normal lactation cycle so this is sort of if you look at an entire herd on average you'll see this uh, seasonal pattern but it doesn't counteract the normal uh, lactation curve that you'd see where cows increase to peak milk at about 60 days in milk and then slowly decrease uh, throughout the rest of their lactation.
0: Do we need to think about maybe our dry cows in times of feeding for them, our close-up cows, maybe our heifers? Talk to us about the different age classes of animals and how feeding strategies impact them.
2: I I have to say I'm a little bit less familiar. We haven't done a lot of work with time-based feeding strategies and dry cows or heifers yet. That's an area of research I'd like to get to uh, in the future. For now, I would say that you would probably want to think about, in terms of feeding time, your dry cows and, and your calves, similarly to what you'd see your lactating cows. It's a little bit less urgent because they're not lactating or things like that, but dry cows and calves can still have the negative effects of heat stress. And you'd be more likely to combat those by feeding at those times of day where you're you're not going to exacerbate the problems of heat stress. So again, if you can feed those cows earlier in the morning or you can feed them multiple times per day, that can help with some of the negative effects of heat stress. There's been some work that shows that, especially with dry cows, if they have issues with heat stress during their dry period that can lead to increased incidence of metritis or Uh, metabolic disorders after they calve in but in terms of more specifics for those groups of cows I don't have a lot of information.
1: So in summary of our discussion kind of today I think there's a couple of things we should be thinking about when we develop a feeding strategy for our herd. I think uh, most dairy farmers know the number one drive to get cows to come up and eat is feeding time. Whenever we drive by with a team, our mixer, our cows all run up to the bunks and want to eat. And of course, we want to have fresh feed when cows come back from the parlor. I think those all stay in place. But one thing I think we talked about today, we don't often think about a cow's innate rhythms or circadian rhythms and how that might affect feeding intake. So our cows, again, tend to eat early in the morning and then again later in the afternoon. And so as I'm on farms, I hear a lot of farms think about the strategy of maybe I should feed really late in the evening, 8 or 9 o'clock at night or 7 o'clock because it's a little bit cooler and they're going to have fresh feed during the night. Now, the research really would suggest that that's probably not the best strategy because those cows are probably going to gorge because their tendency is to really want to rest at night. And I see that with the robot research we do is that the, we just don't get a lot of visits at night. Cows aren't active at night, so that's kind of their normal rest time. The other thing we might want to think about is all the discussions we have during the summer about low-fat tests about this time of year. And so we want to be thinking that some of that is normal, not that we shouldn't try to mitigate that, but uh, maybe a two to four-tenths drop in our components during the summer is really fairly normal. And so whatever you might do to try to mitigate that, that's probably going to just happen because that's the normal rhythm of a cow during that period of time, of course, depending upon when they freshen. Thanks for joining us on this I29 podcast. Make sure we che- you check the episode notes so there might be some links for additional resources and also information from our sponsors. I29 MuU is an equal opportunity provider. For the full non-discrimination statement or accommodation inquiries, go to extension.iastate.edu forward slash diversity, forward slash ext.